Comics in the combat zone. Comics in the combat zone. Usually we make you laugh, but now we're watching guys get stabbed with light tubes. Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the eighth edition of Comics in the Combat Zone. I'm Jordan Ducharme. And I'm Ben Stett. And we are here to talk to you about CZW. Get it on! With an exclamation mark. September 25th, 1999. What do you think of the name right off the bat? Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, it's that's, let's get it. That's all what I shout every time I'm about to watch CZW. Mm-hmm. I'm like, get it on! That's what uh, famous UFC referee John McCarthy used to yell before every fight. Like, C- come on, get it on! CZW's everywhere. It's yeah. everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it inspired so much. Yeah, uh, It is in the CZW Arena, Mantua, New Jersey, the arena we've come to know and love for the last uh, seven or eight episodes or so. Or this is episode eight, sorry. Uh, and we get the ring announcer right away begins by introducing new wrestler to the CZW Combat Zone, the Grim Reefer. What do you think of that name, Ben? Incredible. I was already sold. Like, like, this guy smokes weed. Yeah, he loves death. Uh, <laughs> it's, it, he's t- he ticks every box. I mean, I am always disheartened when I go to watch it and I see that it's two hours long. Yes. Because, like, it always, I'm always like, well, okay, matches are going to go too long or someone's going to have too long of a promo. Mm-hmm. Uh, thankfully, we got both this week that we'll get into, I'm sure. But, yeah, no, I was, al- I was like, oh, they've won me around with a pun. Yeah, and one other quick thing to note. There's literally, uh, so the last event, what was it? September Slam was September 19th, 1999. So this was only six days later, or sorry, 18th, so maybe a week or six days later. So I don't know if CCW needs to be running weekly shows at this point, but uh, this show sort of is going to go on to prove that. Yeah, definitely. If I could go back in time, if I could do one thing, and by going back in time, it would be to tell Zandig, don't do weekly shows, mate. Yeah. If it's either going to kill baby Hitler uh, yeah. or meet Zandig in his favorite pub, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go talk to Zandig about business 100%. acumen. 100%. Yeah. So we get Grim Reefer, a skinny looking guy. You're, you're going to like this guy if you see him. And then next out comes Mike Evans. And he comes out sort of like with a Miami singlet look, like a douchebag wraparound uh, sunglasses. I don't know what the word is for those, but you'd know it if you saw it. Blind people glasses. <laughs> yeah, but they wrap around the head almost like like a Blade Runner type situation. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. he just look. he's acting like a douchebag. He looks like a douchebag. So I guess he's get, like, it's what he's going for at least. Yeah, he goes up to like four different crowd members and does the fake out on the handshake. And every time <laughs> he's like, I got you. And you're like, okay, dude. <laughs> All right, we hate you already. Yeah, yeah. And then at 195 pounds from Queens, Maniac Mike Mayhem. Talk about your alliteration there. Yeah. Uh, accompanied by a weird, like, manservant <laughs> in, like, a long trench coat, and he also has shades. Uh, and all I all I noted about this guy is his shirt just said critical mass on it. Yeah. I I'm gonna, that's what we'll call him. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I love this guy. I love <laughs> this guy and Brimstone is his assistant because Brimstone comes out with, like, the worst magic hat, like, fight. you know, when they do have fire in their hands? <laughs> He's called Brimstone, and he comes out with like what is looks like just lighters just on his Wait, hands. Wait, is that the guy? Is that Critical Mass? I totally missed that if he came out with fire in his hands. No, there's um, yeah, there's two. There's like Manic Mike thingy. 
Yeah, he's uh, the wrestler. Yeah, but, but the guy who comes out before him yeah, is Critical like, Mass. Yeah, I didn't catch his name as Brimstone. Yeah, it was Brimstone, and he just comes out with like fire in his hands. Um, I can't believe I missed that. Yeah, some weird magician. I mean, I only saw it because I could. I looked very closely because I wanted to see all of Brimstone. (laughs) Yeah, but then yeah, the other guy looks like David Blaine, like this weird magician gimmick. So I I was all in for this guy. It's bizarre. Uh, Yeah, like you expect like Mike Mayhem to sort of look like his buddy or look disheveled or whatever. But he sort of looks like just a classic 90s wrestler with a singlet. He's like got a crew cut and like a mustache. It's sort of weird. Like, yeah. And we've not seen any of these guys in any no. previous show. So it is a sort of weird way to open a show. Uh, but we do get our triple threat. They don't say if it's going to be an elimination or if it's going to be just a straight triple threat. But I guess we'll find that out as the match goes on. Uh, and yeah, I have written here, it doesn't get more indie than a triple threat debut with like an opener where we don't know anyone, but two of them are named Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, that's geez. great booking. Yes. The two Mikes uh, have this short-lived alliance, though, where they agree to beat the shit out of the Grim Reefer. Uh, <laughs> and then Grim, of course, he counters with the classic double clothesline on both guys, and he springboard dropkicks both guys. It's at this point I noted Grim Reefer actually looks pretty good. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to, like, I was quite positive at the start of this because, yeah, it, start, it starts strong. There's some good offense. The guy, uh, Grim Reefer, is dressed like, I mean, I know it's primarily Canadian, but like a chav. Like, he has, like, tracky bottoms on. <laughs> he has, like, just a like a vest. And I described him as uh, the goodwill hunting of wrestling because you wouldn't expect this guy to be busting out the offense that he does. Totally. Because, like, you know, in the same way that he answers an insane maths question as a cleaner, <laughs> this guy is just, like, doing mad moves all over the place out of nowhere. It's like, how do you like them suplexes? Yeah, all three of these guys feel like they're probably the best in whatever local indie they're from. Yeah. And then they got the call from CZW, like, why don't you try it out in the combat zone? Yeah. And, and they and they all look decent. Like, none of them really look uh, stand out as bad. I mean, the match has no stakes, and it's happening for no reason, and that's sort of my biggest <laughs> yeah. issue with it. But as far as the match goes, it's it's pretty good off the top. Uh, so they get they all brawl out to the outside, and here's where crowd control just loses it, and like the wrestlers get lost within the sea of people and crowd control, and they're like they can't find each other. It's sort of awkward. But then to like get get the match back on track, Mike Mayhem just, just like smokes Grim Reefer with a chair shot to the head, like breaks the chair. Yeah, the chair like he hits him so hard. <laughs> yeah, it's weird because I I didn't hear like an impact sound, but the chair is is physically dented from mm. where. The Grim Reefer's head has gone into. So. Well, the first one, the seat part pops out and like flies away. Yeah. But then right after he throws him in the ring and sets it up like seated and drops a brain buster on it. And yeah, he, he holds up like the dented, fucked up, folded chair. Like Grim Reefer really like took a lot. And Mike Mayhem strikes you as one of these guys that doesn't really consider like it, it's more important to him that the move looks good, that it doesn't hurt the guy. Just yeah. So much of his offense is like a bit too stiff and like really dangerous. Uh, yeah, and he's the biggest guy. Like he's bigger than both these guys considerably as well. And he's got brimstone doing curses on the other guys <laughs> to make them yeah. look weaker. Yeah, uh, the match actually begins picking up, and the, that's when brimstone actually gets involved. And he <laughs> takes out Evans on the outside uh, as Mayhem sort of fucks up Reefer on the inside. And I'm like, okay, maybe they're gonna wrap this thing up soon. Uh, no, we're not even like <laughs> no. halfway through this match. It's a whole other sheet of pretty big paper I'm reading off of here. Uh, the crowd gets into Reefer as soon as he takes control, but then as soon as Mayhem gets in control, you can tell they're almost just not into it as much, you know? At one point, Mayhem and Reefer both take out Evans, and then they go to both pin him at the same time. 
which I guess makes sense that it would be an elimination match. But Evans low blows both of them at the same time in a pretty convoluted spot. Uh, and speaking of convoluted, at one point Mayhem like power slams Evans and he goes to do this spot where he's like, I'm not even going to pin him. I'm going to use my elbow pad to pin him. So cringe. But the referee doesn't like understand what he's going for. Yeah. So he like puts the elbow pad on the guy and the ref just looks at him like, what What do you expect me to do here? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's very, it's, it's very odd. And like, yeah, it's very bad. I don't think, I don't think that was like a planned sort of thing. I think the ref is just like, no, I'm committed to the kayfabe. Yeah. And this doesn't, this isn't legal. It is like it is like when a comic tries to get crowd participation without asking them, <laughs> yeah. and the audience is like, "I'm just not into this, man." Like, yeah. can we just not do this cringy yeah, thing? Don't want to you... know where I work. Yeah. <laughs> and then eventually, the match just gets sort of sloppy, and you see the guys start to gas out. Uh, it begins to drag, slow, sort of predictable offense, and the crowd just dies. So, like you've never heard the combat zone so quiet, where it's almost like you can hear the chattering of conversations. And yeah, shit. it's very bizarre. Like there's normally blood curdling screams everywhere, but now not even Brimstone can keep these guys going. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Grim Reefer takes super kicks uh, Mayhem, and then he brings Evans up to the top rope, and he hits a move I don't think I've ever seen in wrestling—a super sidewalk slam from the top rope. Yeah, and I was like, "Holy shit!" And then they just land in a pinfall, and he gets the clean pin at 16 minutes 38 seconds. Jesus. That's how long this had gone at this point. And I thought it was over, but then nope, the match continues. This is actually an elimination match. I'm like, man, 16 minutes for guys we've never fucking heard of. That it's are too long. Just okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 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 way too long. And it's a real shame because if it had been that opening five five six minutes, it would have been a, one of the strongest openings they've had. Mm-hmm. But it just like just keeps going and you're just like please mate please just stop please can the real grim reaper kill me while this match is ongoing <laughs> well and it's like if they could have attached any stakes to this like maybe the win winner gets a junior heavyweight title shot or maybe i don't know like i don't know yeah. something but the fact that it's all happening for no reason and we're almost like 20 minutes in you're like christ yeah uh so they uh, right after Mayhem takes Reefer to the top rope and they do a superplex right in the middle of the ring and then they're both down as the ref starts counting to 10. Uh, and they start doing the fast-paced reversal off, uh, which just ends with Mike hitting a brutal clothesline to him. And then he asks the crowd, should I finish him? And the crowd's like, yes. But not, <laughs> yeah. but not like, yay. Like, yeah. yeah, like end this already. Yeah. Uh, and then mercifully, he hits the air, like an air raid crash uh, for a clean win at 20 minutes, 20 seconds. Uh, and that that's how our first match goes. That's such that's too long of a match. <laughs> like if, even even for a lot even outside of like pay per views for the main thing, like twenty minute match is just too long even if to justify it. Like, yeah, and you burnt the crowd out uh, like clearly. Yeah, with these unknown guys, it was just weird. It was a weird decision. Uh, but again, it feels like six, seven days later, they're trying to like, okay, maybe this will be an, uh, a smaller show or an undercard show. And I'm like, you don't have the roster for this type of thing yet. No, yeah, definitely not. Um, so Mayhem and uh, Brimstone continue the beatdown after, and then they just sort of leave. And I guess the feud will continue. I don't know if we'll see any of these guys again. I really hope we see Brimstone again at the very least. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to see more of the Grim Reefer. Uh, <laughs> at, at Mike Evans or whatever, I... I they Fuck. need to team up, surely. Brimstone and the Grim Reefer need to form an alliance. And betray As, Mike yeah, Mayhem? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we haven't seen a betrayal in quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, no. In about 20 minutes, two seconds, I think. <laughs> That's how long. But yeah, so we get our hard cut, uh, and then two guys I'm just starting to like seeing less and less. Robbie Marino and Johnny Cashmere, the family, come out. 
Uh, and they, they're both dressed ridiculously, and they come out with umbrellas inside, entering to Mambo Number 5. Which at least we got to hear Mambo number five. Yeah, I was like, this is quite funny. I, you know, I like Mambo number five. I think it's a good track. I think, um, you know, it brings back good memories of mm-hmm. dancing to Mambo number five. But yeah, <laughs> I was like, this is very, it's very. I don't, they, like, they seem to be really over with like women in the crowd. I don't know. They were like, because mm-hmm. I think the announcer was like, the, the handsome boys that all <laughs> the ladies love, and I was like, okay, like, it's- has this been? And, and I know what you're thinking, wait, there are women in the crowd, but there are, you can hear yeah. them, and it's really strange, actually. This one is specifically very strange for it, where you can, I don't know, I guess the cameraman sat next to girls and things, because there just seems to be a lot of women in this one. Maybe they heard Cashmere and Brimstone were going to be at this one, mm-hmm. so they decided to come along, but yeah, no, definitely there is. Uh, Zandig seems like the type of guy that could just have like a, a stable of women he could bring along with him, and you don't know how he knows them or why they listen to him, or whether it's le- yeah, whether uh, or whether it's legal. <laughs> yeah, you know. But uh, it's yeah, definitely hundred percent. And they're just like, yeah, I like. He's a cool guy. I don't like wrestling, but he's hot. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he tells us what to do. <laughs> uh, so Robbie starts cutting another promo. And if you remember, he's the one. It's like he was incentivizing like a slur last month. So I was almost or last week. Sorry. And so you're always almost like, ah, I don't know about this guy. It's pretty uncomfortable. And then you just you can hear the fans sort of yelling it already. And so it's like officially his gimmick now is that they're going to yell the, the F word at him. And it's just super uncomfortable. Uh, and he's like, what? Uh, so I'm gay because I like to kiss my brother. And then they do the Italian like kiss on the cheek thing. And the fans start chanting that word at him. And it's just like, this is awful, man. This yeah, is- it's really bad. And because... Initially, like I, I, I think I'd forgotten that that was the thing that happened with him last week. Mm-hmm. But like initially, when they're coming out, I guess it's to like egg the crowd up or get the crowd going. Yeah, like in that direction. So I'm just like, are they asking? Is it gay to have an umbrella and listen to like Mambo <laughs> Number Five? Like, that's so. That's really odd. And hey, I do, if Mambo Number Five is gay. I don't. Want yeah, to be <laughs> yeah. Because right? like, I mean, I do, he's talking about having sex with a lot of women in that song. Like, it's, it's. There's not oh, no one, one point. Maybe he should have. Maybe. If anything, the song is misogynist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it, it's. It's very bizarre, and also the crowd is self-reporting because upon seeing two brothers kiss each other on a cheek, they're immediately like they're having gay sex. Yeah, those brothers. I I, I know how me and my sister act together, and they <laughs> must be having gay sex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's like it's uh, two guys that seem homophobic doing like a gay baiting homophobic angle to yeah. a crowd full of homophobes. And it's just uncomfortable to watch. Like I understand we're watching a promotion where guys who die before they're 30 of brain damage are hitting each other in the head with weapons. But this makes me feel so much more uncomfortable. I don't know if that's <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's the effect of comedy. That's that's society, bro. That's society. But it is just fucking awkward. And it makes yeah. me not want to see these guys even though I don't in in ring I don't really have a problem with them, you know. Yeah, it saps the energy from like wanting to continue, especially considering all of my energy had been sapped already by the 20-minute match. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know what we needed? Uh, a wrestler named Corky the Disturbed <laughs> to come out. And he comes out with the strangest music that I'm sure is something like he recorded himself. This really did... I, I know we made the same comment about Mike Quackenbush, but this really felt like the alt-comic coming to the gringy dive open mic. And you're like, what is this guy even doing here? Like, his energy is completely different from everything else on the show. It seems like a guy who was too weird for, like, the performance theater crew. (laughs) Like, he got kicked out for, like, setting himself on fire during, like, Shakespeare. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, he comes out to it. He is the original We Live in a Society Joker meme um, (laughs) when he comes out. Because the... 
the com the announcers literally like and sh- straight from Arkham like and you're like what is this like a Batman show now like this is absurd like you've got Venom low but like they're different franchises mate dude he's got like full Rain Man energy and it's sort of what he's <laughs> going for like it's just strange like he waves to the crowd in a weird way and it's like a borderline offensive but you also don't know what this what's wrong with this guy yeah I got and another guy I'm sure maybe we'll never see again after this. Uh, but he he's here to wrestle Johnny Cashmere, and at first Cashmere's like, you know what, we're gonna make this a hard or a handicap match. Uh, but you're already handicapped, so I guess we don't have to. And you're like, oh, all right, I guess <laughs> okay. the joke was there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we get Corky versus Johnny Cashmere, uh, and there's just lots of dumb spots where Corky's like, Johnny's going to clothesline him, but Corky will like turn to wave to the audience, and like Johnny falls flat. Or at one point, Johnny puts Corky in the Steiner recliner and Corky starts yelling, I'm a virgin, I'm a virgin. It's just, yeah, I even cringe saying that out loud. This is yeah, like... Yeah, it's very, it is very odd, like very, very bizarre, very like 90... Before like comedy wrestling and stuff had been honed and like comedy wrestlers realized, oh, I actually have to be good at wrestling as well. Like mm-hmm. this guy just, just thinks he can skate by by being a weirdo. But it's like, well, no, you need to wrestle well and also gimmick needs to be funny and you're neither of those and, and again it becomes a recurring theme on this show but what is the point of this where is this headed uh like i'm sure we're not going to see this feud continue so it's just all sort of stupid um so corky st- starts hitting an ass buster sort of like bubba ray dudley where he's just sitting the guy cashmere down on his ass over and over uh, and then he goes for the pin he gets the three count but johnny cashmere puts his boot on the rope after the three count was com- complete and then the ref's like, oh, wait a sec, wait a sec. His foot was on the rope. <laughs> and I was like, Did, was that a screw-up or is this meant to be a heel tactic? Yeah, it was It was really odd and also very funny because, like, you know when you watch WWE or AEW and the wrestlers are, like, arguing with the ref? But because you can't hear them, they sort of overact mm-hmm. to see what's... Well, in this, they do that, but you can hear them. Yeah. But they're not saying any words, so they're just like... I, like having a mime off is like very <laughs> awkward and uncomfortable when they're just like doing actions and you know not saying i'm not saying anything to each other you know i know you're right about that because who you can hear is this angry kid in the crowd <laughs> who's like his foot wasn't on the road <laughs> yeah he's yeah like screaming from like this guy's back. so into it he, he sounded like an eight-year-old like kid it was just hilarious uh, so then right after Cashmere hits an eye poke and then gets a cheap roll-up for the win at 8 minutes, 45 seconds, uh, the Cashmere celebrate to Mambo number 5 when Corky attacks both of them, uh, knocking them out of the ring, and then begins dancing for the biggest ovation of the night so far. Yeah. Which is like, you see what kind of show we're having here so far, guys. Yeah. Uh, immediate cut. What's up, Brainiacs? Hope you're enjoying the podcast. Just a programming note that every Monday at 9 Central, you can join me, Andrew Slack, and Josh Custodio for Monday Night Program. Come hang out with us as we continue to build the WBCW universe using Fire Pro Wrestling Promoter Mode. Who should we sign? What matches should we book? Join us for the only professional wrestling program on Monday nights. That's Monday Night Program on twitch.tv slash wrestlingbrain. And then at 199 pounds, ladies and gentlemen, Reckless Youth. Uh, were you happy at this point to hear see Reckless Youth come out, or what is your opinion of this guy? Well, firstly, like the music so far has made me realize that Zandig was finally begrudgingly accepted that music outside of classic rock exists. So, like, <laughs> yeah. there's not been one. There was like one weird. Like, I think he would have most hated playing a Led Zeppelin remix, which <laughs> for one of them. But yeah, no, I wasn't too. I, I'm not a huge fan of Reckless Youth. 
Um, I actually put here, Reckless Youth upsets me greatly. <laughs> um, yeah, he's full king of the open mics, where it's like, yeah, you're good in this environment because you've been here for 15 years, but, like, you're not good. Still. Yeah, you're like, you're a big fish in a dire, dire garbage-filled pond. <laughs> yeah, but the, the, not not good enough to get to any other pond worth being at. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I feel the same. I, I thought uh, he had pretty good matches, especially the first time we saw him with Quackenbush, but now I'm just, like, sort of tired of this guy. And he's always talking. Like, he comes out and grabs a microphone away, and he even says, it wouldn't be a show without a reckless youth promo. And I'm like, yeah, I guess not. I yeah. guess I agree. Uh, and then he goes after the ugly white trash crowd, of course. And we get this weird cut, almost like he might have said something offensive for two, like, or, or like that was what it would look like if it wasn't CZW. Yeah, I mean, I thought he had a good opening line, to be fair, because he's like, oh, there's no crowd like the CZW crowd. That's what I tell everyone, because you are the biggest piece of white trash. And I was like, okay, this is pretty funny. <laughs> but then he, like, starts going, like, saying weird things about the sensational one. And I was like, oh, no, he's mm-hmm. just tanked it. Yeah, um, which is weird because his opponent comes out, Trent Acid, uh, and those women in the crowd we were talking about earlier go <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Like, if anything, it's like he's like Gary from Pokemon, where just the girls go wild every time he shows up. Like, he is the heartthrob of the company. Yeah. Um, and again, we get this weird cut of the beginning of Trent's, like, he's on the ramp, and then we cut, and the match has begun, which is annoying for me because I always time these matches. So I'm like, I guess we'll start here. Uh, but the action is fast and decent to start, like you might expect from these guys who actually have training. Uh, but r- every time Reckless Youth gets a hold, gets anything, he starts doing unfunny comedy, like starts yelling to the crowd. He teases diving to the outside, but doesn't dive to the outside. It just feels like a tired sort of, especially after these last two matches we've seen. Like, I'm ready for a good match, or at least some violence. And yeah. they're doing more sort of shtick, and I, I was just tired of it at this point. There is, a, yeah, shtick CW for this episode, <laughs> for sure. Like. That there is a lot of that, and I don't like. I don't know if it is because it is a week after, and like people are still fucked. But <laughs> yeah, like it's just boring. Like it's just a boring match, just like the previous matches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. At one point, Reckless Youth, it's a pretty nice flipping suicide dive, like through the ropes, which actually looked all right. Uh, but then as soon as I get back in the ring, it's another chin lock. At one point, Reckless Youth literally yells to the crowd, "I'm trying to bore you to death." And I just wanted to skip ahead on the video, but I would I would never do that to the listeners. <laughs> yeah. But it just bugged the fuck out of me. Uh, and then finally, Trent reverses with a sky-high bomb, and the girls all scream like as Reckless Youth is in the air, which is sort of, it sort of worked. Uh, and then he follows it up with his weird 180 splash off the top rope and then a couple big boots. But then right away, it's almost like they can never get this right. Like, this should almost lead into the finish at this point. But then Reckless Youth just hits a clothesline, and then he's back in control with another, like, headlock or whatever. And at one point he puts on a headlock and he's like, oh no, well, you know the difference between a headlock and a chin lock? And he starts changing the rest holds. And I'm just like, man, this sucks. I hate I hate these guys. Yeah, you can tell I don't think they prank. They or do all the match choreographies just in the ring where they're like, let's just do this now. Let's just do this now. Mm-hmm. Or like, they just don't even tell each other what they're going to do. They're just like, well, now I want to be the star. So I'm yeah, going to do a Yeah, this is the two line. minutes where you're in charge. Yeah. And I'll do all your moves. And then yeah, I get to be in charge. Very odd. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, did we see the moonsault here? I, oh, yeah. He calls for it at one point, And Trent delivers his moonsault. So we do see his bare ass. Uh, <laughs> the ladies love it. 
but the youth kicks out of the the moonsault, and then they exchange near falls with a decent near fall sort of back and forth thing. Uh, and then youth just low blows Trent, rolls him up with both of his feet on the ropes, and gets the dirty win at 17 minutes and 57 seconds. Another just long match. And also a weird guy to win, because Trent Acid's sort of like their... You know the guy on the rise. He's the face. Yeah, he's 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 the face of the company. He's he's the rock. Mm-hmm. I have written here at this point. The show is halfway done and has been fine, but all of it's meant nothing, and there's no stakes in any match so far. Uh, no weapons, even. So I'm I'm pretty bored at this point. Yeah, no no <laughs> stakes, no swords, no no shields. <laughs> There's not been any weapons. Yeah, at all. <laughs> I at least want to see some concussions. Yeah, like a morning star or something. <laughs> so we get our hard cut, and all the way from New Jersey, White Lotus uh, comes out with his underwhelming music. Now I had I did say last week, and I'm sort of turning around on White Lotus. You know, I was pretty hard on the name at first, but. I think he's like he's ripped. He's way more ripped than we saw him in the first episode. Like this guy's yeah, he's working been, on his body. Yeah, he's been getting pretty big for a lotus mm. for sure. <laughs> and he, it's like he just just discovered baby oil as well. <laughs> he comes out all like shiny. Yeah, Zandig's just like you gotta try this shit, bro. <laughs> and White Lotus is like, whoa, fucking hell, dude. <laughs> yeah, Zandig does strike me as a guy who sells baby oil out of yeah. like, out of his trunk. A hundred percent, like Zandig's own baby oil. <laughs> uh, and then we get Justice Pain coming out uh your czw iron man champion and he comes out uh, wearing a lobo shirt which i guess is like a diss uh and he even says like i'm not we're, i'm not looking past you white lotus but i got something to say to lobo last month you gave me a bruised kidney so next month i want to fight you in that cage they keep talking about this cage match that's yet to sort of come oh yeah come the, yeah they did mention that last week right where they were like i'm gonna fight you because he like tries to hang him yes yeah, which so it feels like oh, a de-escalation of the war that like Lobo's tried to hang him with a construction thing, and this guy's just like, oh, "Well, I'm wearing your shirt, bitch." So, <laughs> yeah. What, what? 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 How is he going to top that? How is he going to beat him wearing his shirt? This is the prolonged feud of the company. Like ever since Justice Payne hit that uh, pyramid of hell elbow, and then Lobo came back by trying to hang him. I mean, they are <laughs> yeah. they are going back and forth, but yeah, I think maybe Lobo was legitimately like fucked up or something. I mean, and they weren't going to do this match on this show anyway uh, you hear a fan yell out where's big daddy smooth and i was wondering too just no big daddy smooth for all we know that's the end of him with the company forever uh which i wouldn't really matter one way or the other i guess uh, and the match begins with solid like fundamental wrestling but the crowd is just super deflated and quiet sort of like we've just been talking like it was really tough to keep energy up after that first half of the show yeah it's hard to it is hard to focus on this match and pay attention because it's just like just a complete nothing match. Like it's a tight, it's like a title match, but it's just like feels like a nothing match. Like mm-hmm. it's so boring, <laughs> especially when Justice Payne comes out and acknowledges like the guy he's really feuding with right away. And White Lotus is like ever ever since he tried to get Rick Blade's girl, we've not heard him speak. Like ever since he became White Lotus, he doesn't talk. So he's just like a worker. And like, yeah, it's sort of. I guess at least we got a title match. I'm not going to complain that much, but it's just no one's into it. Uh, Justice Payne starts hitting com- convoluted like backflip moves. And Justice Payne's a guy who's like, you know, you're you're sort of meant to hide the clap when you go to like kick a guy, but he'll like clap in front of his face as he's like drop kicking a guy, and it's almost like, all right, yeah, it's just weird. Uh, Lotus hits an elbow to Justice Payne off the apron and then cross bodies him to the outside, and the crowd starts reacting slightly once he goes off the top rope. Uh, they throws him back in and hits a missile drop kick, and they're sort of working hard to get the crowd on side, you know. Uh, like they're exchanging sort of big moves. They're taking them decently. 
Uh, and then as we go on, out of nowhere, Lotus just hits this sloppy perfect plex, which I thought was ironic. Because yeah. like, he fucked up a move called the perfect plex. Yeah. And, and yeah. gets a clean win pin at five minutes and seven seconds. And then only then did I realize this is an Iron Man match. I forgot. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I was just, I was exactly the same. I was like, oh, thank God. That, oh, no. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. they said this once that the Iron Man title is meant to be every match is an Iron Man match, even though more than half haven't been. But I guess they're going to try stick with that. So the match continues. Uh, Justice Pain hits a low blow and a super kick like immediately. And then hits this like power bomb side effect move, if that makes sense. It was sort of interesting. He goes to the apron for a springboard elbow, then a lion salt, and then gets his own clean pin at nine minutes and nine seconds. So I guess they're even now. Yeah. Uh, then both guys flip to outside where Lotus hits Justice Pain with a light chair shot to the head, almost like the crowd booed him because it was like a bitch level, like weak chair shot, you know? Yeah, it wasn't great. I mean, and the crowd were, it's very, like the, the cameraman isn't following it very well. Yeah, that's true too. It is it, it like I don't know, it's mad that the this video that they've put out officially does just look like someone's bootlegged it and they've just gone, we'll just use that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. We'll exactly. just use that guy's illegal bootleg. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like you're right. Anytime you download a stream that's on a camera in a theater, that's yeah, what this looks yeah. like. Uh, but Justice Pain uh, rolls inside. He actually lays a chair on White Lotus's face and then does a guillotine leg drop across the apron. And it's one of those where I don't think he's good enough to, like, protect the guy. So he just smashes the, yeah, the, not- the chair into his face. Um, the fans are getting more into this, though, as I was. You know, actual violence is going to get us going. Uh, at this <laughs> point, Justice Pain is setting up a table inside. But as he's doing it, one of the legs breaks. So he has to go out and get another one. And White Lotus is sort of awkwardly standing around. When senior referee, the enforcer, Ron Hartog, just slugs White Lotus, almost as a way to buy time, and then he starts flexing like Hulk Hogan. <laughs> yeah, like, finally giving it to Ron. I mean, there'd been a mention or something of Ron before, like one of the wrestlers said, where is he? So mm-hmm. I guess he you know, got a bit big for his boots and decided to, to show him what's what. Yeah, it, it was just like, I, he always sort of gets his shit in, but I actually didn't mind this one because yeah. it was so ridiculous. Um, but then White Lotus, he's set up on the table, and they, they sort of battle to the top rope with the table just in the ring. And Justice Pain cuts him off uh, and hits a super blockbuster off the top rope through the table for the clean pin at 10 minutes and 44 seconds, which is when the match ends. So I guess this was like a two out of three falls and not an Iron Man match. Yeah, it's amazing that this title match was like six minutes shorter than the opening match, which had no stakes. Yeah, with worse wrestlers. Yeah, and half like half the length of the second. Like, it's absurd. Like, yeah, <laughs> I think the match has a picks up a little bit, but it still just felt quite boring. Like, I don't know, it just wasn't particularly exciting there wasn't much to it so well justice pain references a bruised kidney off the top that's a real chance that's actually a thing uh, and he might have been working injured here or whatever but uh, yeah because you know a guy like him likes to go as long as possible so it is sort of weird they did a two out of three falls in under 11 minutes yeah i mean fair play for going short rest of matches but maybe just uh refocus where those shorter matches should be <laughs> yeah uh, hard cut, uh, we go from Take It Easy Texas, softcore Nick Burke, and he comes out wearing his ultraviolet, like, purple shirt. <laughs> uh, when you see this guy, are you happy yet, or do you do you not like him? Not written, no, I don't like him, I like violence, I'm not, I'm not into this, um, like, BBFC rating stuff, give me violence. I agree. Uh, he comes out to cut a promo about how he's offended by the violence in the last match, and that's when the announcer cuts him off, and he's like, wait, I thought I told you last week. It's not ultraviolet. It's ultraviolent. 
and they hit the same <laughs> the it's same dynamite punchline from last week. I was like, really? Like, yeah. Like, and also it was last week for us, but also at that time it was last week for the crowd as well. That who, they did. Who this. must be all the same people? <laughs> yeah. No way. No way. They've even left the arena since last week. Like they just kept on rolling. <laughs> yeah. And then, as if it couldn't get worse, he introduces John Dahmer next, uh. out with a, his valet Natasha, who they have named here at least. So we get softcore Nick Burke versus John Dahmer in a who do I hate more match. I, I fucking both these guys bad promos, not funny, uh, not good wrestlers, not good bodies. There's no, nothing good about either of these guys, save for Dahmer's spinebuster maybe. <laughs> uh, but they try make like but the most basic wrestling look impressive. They're both yelling shit to the crowd. I just have written here. I'm so checked out. Uh, about five minutes in, Max Mack comes out. Who you remember as wife beaters. A big, obnoxious manager who's just, uh, like, maybe my third most least favorite guy in this company. He's uh, grown on me, if I'm honest. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> I like his, I like his new, like, just really dirty, just, like, really dirty voice. Like, not dirty as in, like, sexual dirty, but just, like, grotty voice. Yeah. And just, like, really grimy and... You can hear where the cigarette packs he smokes. Oh, yeah, goes, yeah. Like... He's got, he's got, you know, the little pictures they put on them. He's got one of them on his neck, for sure. <laughs> like, just the picture. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just, like, yeah, my, my man wife beater here. <laughs> He's just like, this guy is awesome. <laughs> He's fucked, dude. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, definitely like a bad guy. You just get yeah. the vibe. He's not a good person. <laughs> He's not a good person, yeah. Uh, so he comes out with Wife Beater, and then they both attack Dahmer, and then they just get the win for Burke by putting him on top. So I guess they're aligned with Burke, which I think they were last week too, but I just don't give a shit. Uh, just a dog shit, nothing matched, bad segment. Uh, but then Max sticks around in the ring, and he starts cutting this awful promo. It's like, so you can't weird. understand it. I know he mentions Zandig, and he mentions banging a waitress, but I don't know who he's talking about or what the context is. Do you, did you get any more out of this than I Yeah, did? I mean, he is a grottier, an even worse charmless, like, Frank Reynolds. <laughs> <laughs> like, just banging a waitress. But it's just like, yeah, he's... Yeah, he's, I didn't understand any of it. He talks for so long. I have written here almost longer than the previous match. <laughs> yeah, almost longer. And it felt like I was having to deal with an Ironman match, trying <laughs> to survive this this. Uh, I this was guy taking the pinfalls in this yeah, promo. I, <laughs> yeah, it, was, it felt like a chair shot to the head. Like I was just like, you were doing so well. You were growing on me, but now please like shut up. <laughs> just leave. Especially because Wife Beater is, as we've discussed, actually quite good. Mm-hmm. Like, A, at promos, and B, at looking hot. Totally. Yeah, he's a big, beefy guy. He's juiced out. Uh, we get, he calls for an open challenge for Wife Beater, and then, I don't know if they're the same two random mass guys that we saw Zandig fight <laughs> yeah. on Up in Flames, but he's attacked <laughs> by two guys. Uh, and Wife Beater power bombs both of them, and they just leave. And then a third unmasked <laughs> guy comes, uh, and he gets planted to... Or, sorry, just an unmasked guy, but just not a guy we know, like almost like a security guy or something. And yeah. He, he just gets planted. It's very weird that like, because sometimes they'll do it in wrestling where they're like open challenge and then they'll, then someone will run in and you'll be like, holy, it's that guy, it's that guy. But in this, it's just like, just, yeah, the, the two dudes from that Zandig versus two dudes match are just <laughs> like... We'll do it. No, He's this like, is literally an open <laughs> challenge. Like, yeah. you, you, the audience, could attack Wife Beater. <laughs> yeah, become <laughs> CZW. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, so then finally music hits. And I realize I misspoke earlier because uh, Lobo is just here. And he comes out with the microphone in hand and his hardcore belt that we still don't have an explanation for. And he says, there's two things I hate in this world. Justice pain and women beaters. Not wife beaters. Yeah. Women beaters. I, I, when he said there's two things I hate and started just his pain, I was like, please let him say, like, wife beat. Like, please let him say that. And and he does. And I'm like, holy shit, Lobo supports women's rights. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, it's it's incredible. That's he, so good. He doesn't beat him. He just has sex with him for, <laughs> yeah. for days on end. <laughs> yeah. In a massive construction thing. <laughs> Uh, so the match begins and Hard Dog just slides in. So this is just our match. Wife Beater, the champ, the CZW champion, if you remember. I'm so glad we actually know who the champ is because there was like a good three, four shows where I just wasn't sure if it was Zandig or Gage. Yeah. But now at least we have Wife Beater holding the title. Uh, <laughs> and they go outside randomly and this bouncer guy puts Mac through the drywall. Like uh, he's, he has, he's like a white bald dude with black, like I can tell he's bald, but he's wearing a do-rag. Yeah, and, and he's just with Lobo, and it just felt weird. I think, I think he was with Zandig at one point as well, or like I d- that's to a be different fair, biker. <laughs> that's that was a less different tattooed. <laughs> There's so many white bald dudes in CZW. <laughs> yeah, like it's uh, it's it's crazy. Like how many white bald dudes exist in CZW? Yeah, yeah. and then they don't name them. <laughs> yeah, they're just like g- like generic cast member. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so, but this guy's just at least he puts Mac Max through the drywall, which I love to see. This guy take a bump finally and oh, shut I, the fuck up. I just bloody drywall that the other week. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and they set up Wife Beater on a table near this the corner platform we know so well from every show that's <laughs> ever happened on CCW. And Lobo goes to the top of the stage and does like this wild elbow off the, the highest point through a table. We get a legitimate CCW chant here at least. It was pretty good. Like it was it was good. Um and yeah, they I think it's very funny to remember that like four episodes ago we had like a prologue, uh, an epilogue of Zandig being like, "Here's me with the guys." Uh, in it's, this arena has been great to us, and we're so sorry to be leaving to go to a new pastures. Yeah. And he's like, "They've never left. They've <laughs> never, they've never gone to a new arena. Maybe once, and then they've just been at the same arena ever since." They destroyed that platform. The Lobo jumps off of. Yeah, and I guess someone rebuilt it like <laughs> yeah. before the next show. Like it never happened. Uh, we get a random camera uh, cut. And then we're just back in the ring. And that, I, I hate that, man. I really do. Like, why the fuck are you cutting the matches mid-match? Like, Yeah, it's very strange. And I think there's, you're doing a lot. Of, you're giving a lot of credit to be like, oh, a hard cut. Like, you know, like an actual technique. Because these are just awful, like, just <laughs> like, no, these guys are not cut, directors. <laughs> like, this is not. By hard cut, I mean the camera battery died. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And in however long it took him to put in the next one, we're yeah. just back in the match. It's not like David Fincher editing or Quentin Tarantino, <laughs> like, flash cuts and all that. Like. But, yeah, but it's annoying because it like that. So we see Lobo do- drop this elbow through a table. Then there's a cut. Then they're just back in the ring fighting as if this elbow never happened. Yeah, it's very odd. It's like there's lag. <laughs> yeah, uh, Lobo gets on the top rope when out of nowhere Justice Payne hits him on the back with a chair, and then Justice Payne and Wife Beater double team Lobo when TCK comes out to make the save, uh, and then they clear the ring together, TCK and Lobo. Uh, and they shake hands as Lobo's music hits, and the match just abruptly ends at 6 minutes, 20 seconds. So again, it's like, why are your big stars doing no time, Yeah, and the guys we've literally 20. never seen are doing, like, 20-minute matches? Yeah, it's really absurd. Uh, really annoying. But again, maybe Lobo's injured. Like, I don't know. We don't know what kind of shape these guys' bodies are in. Not good shape, but I feel like 
if injury stopped it, CZW would have never got going. That's like, true. Like, yeah, there's no way these guys aren't wrestling with a like really bad injury. I mean, I don't know. He said he wasn't medically cleared. Well, Zandig's not even on this show. It's like yeah. What, what what could be what could be up with him? You know. Yeah. That what could be like yeah. There's that's a two hour podcast in of itself. What's yeah. up with Zandig? <laughs> I actually imagine him making like a drug deal in like a parking lot right now. Like oh sorry, I was busy. I had to... you want some baby oil yeah. with that? I got loads. <laughs> I got... Uh, so Nick Gage comes out uh, with his tag team belt. He cuts a promo. Last week, some punk in a purple shirt says he's from Texas, but he don't sound like it. Talk about a diss, dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He doesn't sound Texan. No, which yeah. Which is right. So that Nick Burke doesn't sound like he's from Texas. Uh, but I don't know. It, he challenges Nick Burke to the next show. Which, again, I hate when you're starting a match by pumping up another match that's not about to happen. Yeah. Like, do it and maybe afterwards. But then we get Rick Blade out. And they say he's at 202 pounds. And I'm like, that can't be right. <laughs> Rick Blade looks like, you know, Yeah, he's very skinny. Yeah. yeah definitely not 202 pounds. Someone in the crowd really hates Nick Gage. Yeah. Totally. And and it's funny because Nick's so easy to troll. Yeah. You can tell like it gets to him, like he's bothered by it. Um, but yeah, I forgot Rick played also the junior heavyweight champion still, although I don't think this was a junior heavyweight title match, but who knows? Because um, you'll see why I say that in a minute. Uh, and, and this match, again, it's sort of like when Rick Blade fought Zandig last week. I, I find it interesting when Rick Blade sort of, t- you know, mixing it up with the hardcore sort of main event guys. Yeah. Yeah, I th- I don't know, like, Rick Blade, yeah, it's very odd, because he can do moves, he can jump about, he's got the flippy stuff, but, and, like, fair play for getting involved with it, but it feels like it's not a good showcase for what he can do, like, Mm -hmm. because he is just having to, and in one match or one or two matches, that's fine, because, like, okay, that. but all he's doing is fighting, you know, kind of fighting these more, you know, down and dirty wrestlers and things like that, and it's kind of a shame if he's got this athletic prowess, you know, he should be going against the big guns, like, sensational one, or both kingpins <laughs> yeah which where are both those guys by the way all three of those guys um but the match begins we get our basic chain wrestling lots of reversals again gage looks good here they they can sort of these are like the probably top end of the guys in the wrestling class taught by john Dahmer. um <laughs> then they do the they this double down spot after three minutes and like neither guy has even taken a bump yet really yeah it almost went from exchanging reversals to they clothesline each other and then they're just down and i'm like i guess this match isn't gonna get a lot of time uh, and then as they're both down, the ring crew from the back just brings out a table and sets <laughs> it up next to the ring, like unprovoked, no one called for it or anything. Very strange. Blade hits a beautiful top rope elbow on Gage, sort of like Shawn Michaels style. I thought it was really good. And that's when Lady Blaze brings a chair into the ring, but then she almost seems like she doesn't know what to do with it, or like maybe a spot got mixed up. So in the moment, she just hits Gage with it, but just with the worst chair shot ever, like the lightest chair shot you've ever seen. Yeah. Lobo supported that, though. He was like... I'm okay with women doing violence. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> well, the chair just it, it, like it makes you remember how big chairs can be when like this like sort of smaller ladies picking it up. So I remember the first time I ever saw a folding chair after being a pro wrestling fan. I was probably like seven or eight, and I went to like pick it up just that's to like crazy. swing it at someone. Yeah, and being like, "Holy shit! Like these are actually really big and heavy." And that's why I had to run away from Canada because you killed a man. I killed a man. With yeah, a chair. with a folding chair. At yeah, eight years old. We're pivoting into a true crime podcast now. <laughs> No, I will never expose myself <laughs> on the pod. Uh, but Gage hits his choke breaker, which I always love that move. 
chokeslam backbreaker, why not, you know? Uh, and then a Saito suplex. He follows it up with the awesome swanton bomb that he did last time. And then he, it's it's nice. Now it's like a regular spot where he hits the swanton, then goes right to the opposite corner and hits the diving headbutt. Uh, and it just looks really nice. Uh, some fan openly attempts a hardcore sucks chant, but no one else is getting on board with it. So it's just the guy who's been... It is very, like... That, and one of the reasons why I'm, you know, it's cool to watch this is like, because obviously we know Nick Gage becomes Nick fucking Gage, and like becomes the man of CZW. So it's like really interesting to see that he started like, and not a lot of people like him to be honest, like him mm-hmm. or just his pain. Like he's not considered like a big a big name or whatever within the the at the start. He's he's considerably lower than Justice Pain, Lobo, and Zane. Yeah, like he's yeah, the yeah. obvious fourth banana there. Which yeah, it is very strange. Uh, but Blade comes back with a buzzsaw elbow and then a monkey flip to Gage, which is so weird seeing Blade or Gage take like a, a normal monkey flip. Uh, and it's one of the, like, you, we always talk about how Rick Blade's such an RVD fan. Like, it's a moment where he should just go for a pinfall, but instead he's got to do this convoluted RVD-like flippy pin, and it yeah. just sort of looks bad, and you're like, oh, you can't even pull it off yet, man. Uh, he goes to wheelbarrow a bulldog Gage, but Gage just pulls him up and does his really high-angle German suplex and then brings him up and hits him with a brain buster. Uh, and it's sort of like the match is picking up here. You know, I'm like, okay, this is sort of a good main event. Uh, Gage dives off the top rope, but he's caught with a dropkick in mid- midair. Pretty good timing. And then Blade brings that table that was set up in from the outside inside, and he gets it leaning in the corner and does sort of a poetry in motion with a chair through the table. Uh, on to Gage. So now that the fans are like pretty into this, they've seen yeah. a table bump finally. Uh, Blade climbs onto the top rope and then he steps back and uh, walks onto the ring post like behind the turnbuckle, which I thought was sort of cool, even though it adds like maybe like a quarter of a foot <laughs> to his height. <laughs> but it just looked cool that he was balancing on it. And he hits his giant leg drop from the top to Gage. Uh, at that point, Nick Burke climbs up on the apron to distract uh, and Blade gets a roll-up near fall. Uh, Gage flips out flips onto the outside onto Burke. He's attempting to rip off his shirt in the crowd. And then the video just cuts to blue. And that's the end of the show. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, I mean, I love a cliffhanger. Um, You know, I'm glad CZW have released all the episodes at once so we can binge it, so I can find out what happens. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it was wild. Like, it just... Like, maybe a new low for their production. Yeah, to have just not even get the full... Th- but it's mad, because like I was, two hours is way too long. Mm-hmm. But in between all the mad cuts and this, this must have been like a two-hour 15, two-hour 30 show. Yeah, I was thinking that, like, too. That, like, it's absurdly long. And, like, it's... It, I Yeah, it's, it's such a shame as well, because, like, if I'm going to watch dog shit, I want to at least see the dog shit through. Like, I want to see yeah. it to completion. I don't... Like, I need to know what happens now, and... There is literally no way of finding out, like, with uh, an episode of CW from 1999. There's no, like, <laughs> that's not been kept anywhere, I don't think. Uh, I assume more than half the audience that was there live are dead. And <laughs> yeah. It, much of the roster is, too. And, yeah, we'll never know what happens in this match. Uh, we, know, we don't know if Rick Blade gets the job done. I, it just fucking, I was so happy when it ended, though, because I'm like man, it's really not ending. And then it just ends abruptly, and you're like, okay, thank God. I can go do something else now. (laughs) Um, Because, yeah, this was a really terrible show. Do you want to give your rating? Um, I think it's a... It's a point five for Brimstone. <laughs> yeah, I think I've, it's... I've got a point five written here as well. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like, I, I'd listen back to our Pyramid of Hell one, and that was only... I, I, I'd still give it a zero, but this show didn't even have, like, a Pyramid of Hell. It was, like... 
No, yeah. It's... You know, there were barely any weapons. No blood on this whole card, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I think the scores the scores we give it will it, it's it's going to be difficult to like make them relative to other episodes because yeah I think we like pyramid of hell was zero but like I would rather watch knowing that the pyramid of hell is coming up I'd rather watch that than this mm-hmm. again um because yeah apart from cuz all the good stuff happens in the opening 5 minutes <laughs> like literally or the the best stuff mainly apart from you know Big Daddy Mac or whatever he's called with Wife Beater, <laughs> um, it, it's come and gone by time by time you reach like the twenty minute mark. So yeah, it's just I, a real slog. My justification was, I mean, Pyramid of Hell was so bad top to bottom, and even though the stunt was cool, it was really bad. Like the whole thing was booked terribly. Whereas this wasn't like really offensive booking. It wasn't like insulting my intelligence. Uh, I mean, it saved for a couple moments, but like like the matches were fine. Uh, although way too long, but it was just a boring thing. I found this like such a slog to get through. I think I, it took me three attempts watching it before I finally got to the end. Yeah, um, yeah, and I think the wrestling, yeah, it was just boring and like quite inoffensive. As offensive as the cashmere chants and all that, the wrestling was inoffensive, like just mm-hmm. so bland and yeah, it's just it felt like a house show. Like, yeah, like it was. This didn't need to be televised or taped, or maybe the guys get a good workout. You make a bit of money, uh, and I didn't need to see any of this. It didn't. None of it leads anywhere. Nobody than... needed to see any of this. <laughs> well, and uh, I hope you're not thinking I didn't need to listen to this because this listening to this was very important. But uh, this has been another episode of Comics in the Combat Zone. If you want to follow us on social media, I'm at Funny Jordan D on Instagram and Twitter. And yourself, Ben. I'm at Pink Hoverboard, like from Back to the Future, on Instagram. And thank you so much for listening. We'll be back at you next week.